Thank you, Wes, and thank you all so much for being here today. And I, um, as Anna's dad, um, just would like to say on behalf of her mom and me, Beth and I, how proud we are uh, of our little girl. She went off to college and at age 19 started actually part-time with crew, so she's only 29 and got three kids already, but she's 10 years with crew. And then she met the most incredible man. Bryant is, is really, I think for his age, one of the most godly and greatest men of God that I have known. And I am so proud of him. And um, just want to want to say that. <clears throat> um, but I also want to say this to our church. I think Anna began sensing a call to minister to youth. And, and Nolan, it's so good to see you here because you were, he was in that part of that same youth ministry when so many of our students sensed a calling and they're out, whether in business or in ministry, serving the Lord. And um, just remarkable. Makes me so grateful for our youth ministry. And I want to say this as a pastor to our church, River Oaks. Historically, churches have had a, a bit of a, uh, well, things have not historically always gone that well for pastors' kids in churches. You know, pastors' kids are a reputation for being the most rebellious of all because they were forced to do all this stuff growing up in church. It has not been that way for our two children at all. They've grown up and they love the church and the Lord and serving Him. And a lot of that I credit with the way you are. You have loved us well, and I cannot thank you enough for loving my family so well over the years. You're really an amazing church, and I thank you so very, very much for that. Well, <clears throat> just a couple of things before I get into a short message before our special panel today. Uh, very quickly, we have a uh, Discover Rock class coming up. I want to, want to mention it now because we're going to do something at the end of the service. If you're new to River Oaks, want to know about um, our beliefs, our vision, our structure, this is also the pathway to membership. This is an abbreviated class, just two Monday nights. You can sign up online. Secondly, after this service, our youth are doing a cookout today to help raise their funds for their summer mission trip. We think it's, it's good for our students when they get to have a part in raising some of the funds for their trips rather than the, the parents or the church just giving them all the money for these trips. And they're so great about this. They do the greatest job. So I hope you can stay around for burgers, hot dogs right after the service out on the terrace. And then finally, our Rock 5K, one of the biggest events in the life of our church is coming up May 14th. We will have hundreds and hundreds of runners here that day. And the Rock 5K is always used to raise money for one of our local ministries. And this year, uh, the recipient is going to be City Lights Ministry. You're going to hear from the founder, Melanie Bell, in just a few minutes. If you go to the Church Center app, the events page, you can find out more about it. But we need 120 to 150 volunteers. Um, there's an opportunity for a matching gift for City Lights in addition to the funds from the race. We hope you can participate. Even if you can't run it, you can walk it. But um, we look forward to that coming up very, very, very soon. And again, today is our emphasis on local ministries, so message will be kind of short. But before we get into that, I'd like to take a moment or two and pray. Father, we come again in the wonderful name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. 
Lord, you're the Lord of the harvest. You're the one who said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. We ask today that you do the needed work in each of our lives to prepare us for our individual roles in your harvest. And Lord, I pray at the same time that you would touch your people today with your goodness. For those who need healing, that you'd bring healing. For those who need encouragement, that you would encourage them. For those who need a renewal of their strength, for those who need to have their hope rekindled, that you would bring it about today. That you would change us through this time together so that when we leave here this morning, we would not only know you better, we would love you more. And we pray in the precious name of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As you know, last week we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. Today I'd like to look briefly at one of his post-resurrection appearances to his disciples. And I say one of because the book of Acts, the first few verses, tells us that Jesus appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, apparently a number of times, giving them commands, giving them a charge and a commission. The account we read this morning is very brief. It's in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23, and you'll see it on the screen. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. We're going to talk about what it means to be sent this morning. As Jesus said to his followers, As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. You may wonder when you see what we call our vision frame, as you'll see it on the screen now, why our mission statement reads as it does to the right of that frame, building followers of Jesus who are sent, who are sent to reach others. I like to think of our vision frame as a window frame through which you look into the future, and in the future we have what we call our vision 2025. It is a much prayed about expression of what we believe the Lord would have our church look like in the year 2025, which is not too far off. And to get there, we pursue this mission, building followers of Jesus, building people in their faith who ultimately are sent beyond the walls of the church to reach others in our daily lives where we work, in our community where we serve. The discipleship pathway at the bottom you could think of as a map for spiritual growth. A new person comes into the church and wants to know, how do I grow here at River Oaks? Well, we think these four things can be viewed as steps forward in your spiritual growth. Worshiping together, which we're doing today. Growing in a group, a journey group, a small group of some type. Serving on a team, the Bible calls us to do that. It says, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then go with the mission. Because ultimately we think, as we're becoming mature spiritually, we embrace this idea 
of being sent beyond the walls of the church to poor, needy, hurting, lost, least, those who don't know the Lord yet, being sent by God to reach others. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. But first, two words, uh, two sentences rather from our Vision 2025 you'll see on the screen. The very beginning of the second paragraph, if you go on our website and read our Vision 2025, you'll read these words. Those who call River Oaks their church home recognize that biblical knowledge should overflow into concern for the spiritual well-being of others. And that following Jesus leads to an outreach-focused life. We don't just gain knowledge becoming spiritual sponges. We, we go into the world to take life to others. River Oaks members embrace their calling as Jesus' disciples to live as ministers and missionaries in our community. That's what we hope to see from everybody who calls our church home. So what does Jesus say to his disciples when he appears to them after his resurrection? What do we learn from that short little passage in the Gospel of John? Well, the first thing I think is evident is that Jesus' followers are sent. They're sent into the world to participate in God's mission. And again, Jesus is risen from the dead. He's standing in the room with them, and he says, Peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Now, Jesus was unique, of course. He was the only one who could die on the cross and give his life and shed his blood in order to pay the penalty for our sins, to take our judgment, to be the great substitute. It's through our faith in him we're united to him. We become his followers. But we participate in that mission, and Jesus said his mission was this. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. We now, as his followers, are called to that same ministry. Now, you may be wondering, but yeah, he said this to the apostles, those 12 disciples. Is that really pertinent to us? Does it really apply to us? Do we have that same commission being sent out? Let's look at another passage in John 17. In this passage, Jesus is praying for his disciples when he says, As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. But isn't he praying for the disciples again? Yes, but he broadens his prayer. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And I think that includes all of us who have become believers down through the ages. Elsewhere in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was with his disciples and he saw a crowd of people. He was moved with compassion toward them, the Bible says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God wants people to be sent to participate in his mission, to continue his mission in the world. I kind of think of it like being brought into the family of God and then being given a, a really significant role in the family business. You and I get to carry it on by taking his word, his grace, his blessing to others. Now, Jesus further speaks about how we do that when we see in the very next verse in John chapter 20 that we're sent with God's power. 
after breathing on them and saying, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, we read something that sounds a little strange to our ears. When he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Bible commentators disagree as to whether Jesus at this point was was actually imparting the Holy Spirit or, or giving them more of a promissory note, that is, kind of telling them what was about to happen just not many days hence on the day of Pentecost. That would seem to be the case when we read a parallel account in the Gospel of Luke where he appears to the same group of people after his resurrection and says, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. That would come about on the day of Pentecost. That's the date about which Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. One thing in the Bible is very, very clear. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you've embraced the gospel, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within, and God wants you to be filled with power to do His work. That's why the Apostle Paul gives a command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The encouraging thing about that to me is this. I've never felt very adequate in my own abilities to go out and talk to a person who's not a Christian and argue them or reason them into a decision for Jesus. But if it's the Holy Spirit on whom I rely, if He is the one who draws people to faith, is he, if He's the one who convicts them of sin, if He's the one who opens the eyes of their understanding, and I've just got to be available to Him, well, that's a different story. Over the years, I've seen a number of people who went through training in how to share their faith. And I have found that the people who often felt themselves most inadequate, uh, perhaps most timid, were often the most effective because they were most dependent on the Holy Spirit and reliant upon Him. What God wants is people that will humble themselves before Him so His power, the power of His Holy Spirit, can work through them. And so Jesus says to His followers, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. But the very next thing He does says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then in the very next verse, he speaks of what we're sent to do. We're sent, he says, to proclaim the gospel. And we read a verse that, again, sounds a little unusual in the way we find it here in John. This account reads, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is another verse about which Bible commentators kind of disagree regarding exactly what Jesus is saying, it sounds almost like, you know, you're going to be the first group of, of priests and you listen to people confess sins and you, you forgive them and they're forgiven, you don't, they don't. I think we get clarity here by looking at a parallel account in the Gospel of Luke, which reads, as you'll see on the screen, Luke 24, 46 to 47, this parallel account reads, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. In other words, the gospel is to be preached. 
The fact that Jesus died on the cross to pay the debt for our sins is to be proclaimed. People are to be called to faith in him, to repent of sin and turn to him. And through that, the reception of that message, forgiveness of sins is given to people, responding in faith to the gospel. And so I think what Jesus is telling his followers, you're sent, you're sent in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're sent to proclaim the gospel, to take this message and to take it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're sent with his mission, we're sent with his power, we're sent with his message. Years later, Peter, who was in that room when Jesus gave the commission, who was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit poured out, who was the very first person to proclaim the gospel after the day of Pentecost in that great sermon in Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Years later, he sent a letter to the Christian churches, and he wrote about being a witness for Jesus, being a sent person for him. And I think his words are quite powerful because he makes it clear that we're witnesses by more than just giving a message. We're witnesses by our conduct, by our good deeds, and by proclaiming the gospel. The way we live is important. In fact, if you, if you don't live for the Lord, you might as well not try to share the gospel. It's probably better if you don't. Your life needs to, to, to connect with what you're proclaiming. Our deeds give evidence of the gospel. And then there's also a verbal presentation of the gospel. And here's how Peter explains it in 1 Peter <coughs> chapter 2. We read these words from Peter. Writing to the Christians, the early believers, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, the King James, the old King James version for that line says, a peculiar people. And it's really true in a way. If you're going to devotedly follow Jesus, you're going to be different. You're probably not going to win any popularity contests by most people. Peculiar people, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We see these three things, I think. Our lives, our deeds, our verbal presentation of the gospel, the way we live, Conduct yourselves among the Gentiles in an honorable way. In other words, the way you live when you go to work, when you go to school, the way you live before people on the outside of the kingdom of God, you represent the Lord. If you take the name Christian, you represent Jesus. And like it or not, people evaluate your church, your faith, and your Lord by the way you live. That's why this passage is so emphatic on the need to live as a chosen race, a holy nation, living a holy life. And then our deeds. Peter says, these folks on the outside, they may speak against you as evildoers, but when they see your deeds, when they see your good deeds, they'll give glory to God. 
That's why Jesus elsewhere said, let your, your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. They may argue against you. They may not like the fact that you live a holy life, but the fact that you do these wonderful deeds for the community, for the world, it bears witness. So I thought about this verse. I was thinking about the fact that throughout the history of the Christian church, going back to the early days, there have been countless, and I mean countless, hospitals, schools, orphanages started by believers for the glory of God. I think about our own community here and the, the ministries, some of the ministries we're involved in here. Um, Samaritan ministries, the Samaritan Inn, which you'll hear more about in a few minutes. A Samaritan Medical Clinic started by Christian doctor uh, Thomas Henson in town. Um, Salvation Army started by Christians, Rescue Mission of Winston-Salem, Crisis Control for Sight Jail and Prison Ministry. A number of these had their uh, three at least, I think, began by First Presbyterian Church downtown. Solus Christus by Randy and Paula Borton, Salem Pregnancy Care Center, City Lights Ministry, founder Melanie Bell is going to speak to us in just a moment. Christians have, have begun these things to meet the needs of the poor or the incarcerated and they're good deeds. Uh, people may speak evil of us, but when they see the good deeds, Peter says, they give glory to your Father in heaven. And then thirdly, our verbal presentation of the gospel is important. Peter said early on in this passage, you're a holy nation of people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, when people see our good lives and our good deeds... If nobody tells them why we're different, they may simply be impressed with us. And that's not what we want. We want to give glory to God. And that comes about as we proclaim the message, the message of the gospel of Jesus. Some churches major on the good works and don't do much sharing of the gospel. Some churches major on just the sharing of the gospel in an effort to, to get people saved without the good works. But the Bible calls us to both. It was that way with Jesus. Jesus healed the sick and preached the gospel. He fed the hungry and preached the gospel. He was moved with compassion for the people, and he preached the gospel. These things go together. The way we live, the deeds we do, the words we say verbally when we present the gospel. So I would leave you with this one question this morning before our guests come. Have I embraced my calling as a sent person? sent and your school and your neighborhood where you work place of business the hospital practice where you work you embrace your calling as a sent person let's pray about that this morning father i want to first pray for anybody here who, who does not know with a certainty that he or she is a follower of Jesus. That you would be at work in that person's life today to draw that one to yourself, to a, a humble recognition of need and faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross to secure our eternal salvation. Be drawing that one to yourself, Lord. And for the rest of us, Lord, would you... Do a deeper work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit 
Would you speak to us now as our guests come? And would you give us boldness to speak as we ought to speak and conviction to live as we ought to live for your great glory. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We have some very special guests coming now. Pastor Wes Tuttle is going to come up and um, introduce you to the founder of City Lights Ministries, Melanie Bell, a ministry our church has gotten very involved with, and also <coughs> longtime members, John and Holly Brower, who have been such examples to our church in engagement in local missions and are now being sent uh, far beyond this local mission field to another nation in ministry. We're going to pray for them and commission them today. So as they come, turn your attention to the screens for a brief little overview of City Lights Ministry. Beautiful to see those pictures of ministry happening right here in our local community. Would you please give a warm welcome to Melanie Bell and to John and Holly Brower. And I, I want to ask you, uh, church family, as we prepare to interview these folks and just hear from them a little bit from their hearts, would you ask yourself a question? And that is this. Where do I fit in to God's plan to reach Winston-Salem and our community with the love of Christ? That's what we're all about here this morning is to find out by God's Holy Spirit, where do we fit in? What can we do to serve his kingdom here locally? As Pastor mentioned, there are about a dozen ministries that the church supports with volunteers and with financial provision on a monthly basis. And you can find out more about those opportunities at riveroakschurch.org. Is it forward slash? Is that how you say it? Forward slash serve. Uh, you can find it there. And also with this little booklet that's available at the Resource Center and at the Missions Wall, uh, if you prefer to pick up one of these, it will give you a description of the different ministries contact information and how you might be, be able to get involved. So I want to encourage you with that. Uh, and now, just uh, as we've seen that beautiful video of uh, some of the highlights of City Lights, I want to ask Melanie, if you don't mind, just take a couple minutes and give us an overview from your perspective of what the ministry is like and what you're doing in our community. Thank you. I want to thank you guys for having me here today. Um, such a blessing to connect with you guys. And we are very thankful for your continued faithful support. Um, it means a lot to us. Um, we, City Lights Ministry is a um, ministry-focused uh, nonprofit that I started um, in 2014. And um, our main goal was to get the gospel out of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, we um, built relationship with children and their families. And so we're an inner city children's ministry that focuses on not only um, their physical needs of needing food and beds, but also their spiritual needs of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And we do that through our mobile food pantry that goes out and um, takes food out to 12 different neighborhoods around the city, passing out 25 to 35,000 pounds of food a month. We also have taken out over 1,500 beds to children that are sleeping on the floor right here in our city. 
We continue to put about 10 to 12 children a week in beds. Um, that continues to grow. We usually maintain about 40 to 50 children on our waiting list. So we get those out every week. Um, we also um, have a second location now. It's a community center that we've opened up for our early learning program for four-year-olds. Um, this program is free, and it is to help children that um, are not um, where they need to be to be ready for kindergarten. And so this program helps children um, that are way far behind be ready for kindergarten to help them be more successful in life. It also, um, at our community center, we run our after-school tutoring program and our summer camps, and we're hoping to open up a Sunday night service um, for the community um, to uh, further share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Got a lot going, right? <laughs> and many, many places that, uh, that you could plug in. Now, John and Holly, uh, you're, you're members here, longtime members, and uh, have had... Uh, careers that weren't necessarily all ministry-based, and yet at some point you had a real sense of calling from the Lord to get involved in local ministry. Would you tell us a little bit about how you sensed the Lord calling you in that regard and where you've plugged in? What, what have you been doing? Well, thanks. Um, I felt really inspired as a young person, as a teenager, by the verse that says um, if we've feed someone, then we're feeding Jesus. If we clothe someone, then we're clothing, clothing Jesus. That when he was in prison, we went and visited him. And so really much of my life since it being a teenager, I've been involved in all kinds of ministries. When I was a student at Wake Forest about 150 years ago, I uh, planned my schedule of classes around volunteering at Samaritan every Tuesday to serve lunch um, because it really kept me grounded in what was really important in life and it wasn't the next physics exam or, or project that was due. It was that there are people that Jesus loves and he says over and over and over in the Bible how much he loves the poor and he wants us to have a particular compassion for those who are hurting. And so I've been real involved since moving back to this community in Samaritan Ministries, and we've led teams from here to make a meal at Samaritan Ministries and feed the poor and the homeless, or to spend the night with the, the homeless there, or to play spades and trash talk with some of the guys that like to play cards at Samaritan Ministries. Um, I've also been real involved in the prison ministry here for Scythe Jail and Prison Ministry, and um, actually I'm very sad that I haven't been in jail for the last two and a half years um, because we haven't gone to jail because of COVID. But pre-COVID, three of us from River Oaks would go to jail and do a Bible study with the women there every Tuesday night. So Becky Brown and Susie LaVenture and I were in jail every Tuesday night for several hours. And um, we've also been real involved in other ministries here, Pivot and um, special children's school and other ministries in the community. And the cool thing about that is you get to serve Jesus. It's not that you're serving um, the poor person or the homeless person or the child with disabilities. You're serving Jesus, and there's a place um, for everybody in this community. This is a wonderful giving community, and it's 
really what attracted us to River Oaks when we first moved here um, was how committed River Oaks is to local ministry and missions abroad. I, I would just add to that, um, Holly and I also made it a commitment to always uh, open our home as a ministry center. So uh, when people just need a, a moment in time or a, a little hand, uh, hand up uh, for a little while, we bring them in and welcome them there. And again, it's a great, great chance to talk about the Lord and, and especially in a time of you know, change in their life. It's beautiful to see their ministry hearts, isn't it? And, uh, you know, Holly mentioned how things really haven't been normal with the pandemic and so forth, but we recently got word that the uh, Forsyth Jail and Prison Ministry is uh, preparing to open back up again. We're thankful for that. In fact, we've, we've been invited to do a service at the prison on May the 22nd. And so we're excited about that possibility as well. Uh, and, you know, people, understandably so, have been a little cautious about, you know, getting back in and plugging in. Uh, but, Mel, would you just tell us a little bit about um, what actually, like if somebody wanted to come and do something this week, are you guys open for business in that regard? Absolutely. Um, we have many, many opportunities to get involved and um um, one is we always desire your prayers. Um, our neighborhoods we, we work in are, are not the safest areas, and so we do desire your prayer not just for us, but also the children and the families that we work with. Um, we've recently had a four-year-old come up to me and say that he was shot playing with his toys in his front yard. Um, he's got a bullet wound in his arm at four years old. And we had the opportunity to be able to pray with him and to... Um, you know, right there on our, my mobile food pantry just to pour into his life and to share how much Jesus loves him and protects him and, and help him deal with some of the trauma and the fear that he's been through. So there's many opportunity not just to come out and volunteer with us um, in our mobile food pantry. You can come out and help us to pass out groceries, but just know that there's an opportunity to pray with children when you're on that food pantry. We also have other opportunities to come and volunteer at our warehouse, um, helping us pack the grocery bags and get them ready for the truck. Our trucks go out Monday through Thursday, four days a week, um, passing out groceries um, to the community. We also have a drive-through day where people can come to us and get a bag of groceries. We also build beds um, the last Saturday of every month, but there's opportunities during the week to help us go out and deliver those beds into the homes for children. And we also have opportunities for you if you want to do stuff, projects with your small group or your family. Um, we pass out something that I call a snack bag to kids, and they love snack bags. We can pass out about 100 of those a day. Um, in that snack bag is ramen noodles, uh, potato chip bags, um, pop tarts, some kind of fruit bar, fruit snack, um, a variety of different kids snacks um, in that bag. And then we also put the gospel message for children in those bags. And we pass those out four times a week, probably about 100 a day. So we need a lot of snack bags. So it's something that you can do and then drop off to our warehouse. Um, we also have opportunity to have to volunteer 
um, in our children's clothing closet or at our community center where we'll have Bible studies and after school tutoring in our, in our early learning program. So many opportunities to help. Um, you can look at um, all of these opportunities on our website um, at citylightsministry.org and there's a link that says volunteer and it gives you all that information or you're welcome to, to call us at the office and ask any questions. So. Wonderful. I hope you'll avail yourself to that information and plug in somewhere. I just want to ask whomever would want to answer this question, okay? What would you say to somebody that's seated here today that might say, well, I've, I don't know of any particular gift that I have. I don't f feel particularly, you know, skilled at anything. I don't know what I could have to offer. What would you say to a person who might say that about plugging in and volunteering locally? Um, we have had um, anywhere from a two-year-old to a 80-year-old come and volunteer at City Lights Ministry. God can use any um, any aspect of our being um, to to bless someone else. Um, Two-year-olds come and they pack socks into little Ziploc bags, and it's the most precious thing. So, from anywhere age from two to 82. Um, you can give and serve and love someone else. Sometimes it's just a matter of sitting and listening to someone, a single mom that's going through a lot, and you can just sit there and listen to her, and it's a blessing. Um, there's anything from, you know, working and volunteering in our office, helping us answer the phone lines, um, to just sitting and listening to a single mom. I had a single mom just uh, drop in at our office the other week, um, she flew here from California and fled a domestic violence situation, and her and her two-year-old son um, called around trying to get help. Um, she called us, and she came by, and we were able to listen to her story and give her food and sit and pray with her and just be a friend. Um, so there's all kind of varieties. Um, never think that you don't have anything to offer, um, but the love of Jesus that's inside of us um, is, is enough. Um, to share with someone in any aspect. So uh, many multiple ways to share your talents and love of Jesus. So. Well, I would just say you don't need a lot of gifts to pray, and Melanie brought that up, just you know, praying for the different ministries. But um, also ministries need help with stuffing envelopes to making beds to serving dinners. You know, they, they really have made it easy so all you have to do i think it's great that our missions team has put online links to how you can sign up for things and it's not hard and it's not scary um, melanie's probably not going to ask you to go into a dangerous neighborhood and go door to door the first time that you volunteer especially <laughs> so. if i'm not with i'll be with you yeah. <laughs> wonderful well this is uh, fantastic to hear just want to encourage everybody again to uh, seek out an opportunity to plug in somewhere. And uh, John and Holly, we, we've talked about a number of different things locally, and, uh, and yet the Lord is opening up a new chapter for you all. Would you take a moment to tell us a little bit about that? Right. Um, well, Holly and I were in both in Christian ministry, full-time Christian ministry, um, when we were married and through life and some and different circumstances, Holly ended up in higher education, and I unfortunately ended up in manufacturing. I don't know how I got there, but I was there. Um, 
But anyways, for about four years, uh, about four years ago, we both had this, what we call a stirring in our soul of uh, what, does, what does God have for us? Is there, is there something in full-time ministry? And through, through many different uh, doors being open and closed and, and through some uh, very influential people and good people, uh, we found ourselves last Thanksgiving in Medellin, Colombia, um, and we were with uh, the man who is now our, our boss. Uh, he took us to a prison ministry there in Medellin, and the director, Juan Pablo, was explaining what they do there, and it's a beautiful ministry. They not only work with the, with the prisoners themselves, but uh, they saw all the need in the families of those prisoners as well. And, and so there's a lot of family ministry that goes on. And as Holly and I were both, we had gone down there um, praying that the Lord would give us a very clear call of, of what he has for us. And we also asked that of so many uh, people here, and we had a lot of people praying for us. And as we sat and listened to that presentation of what that prison ministry does, uh, we both, uh, even though we were sitting right next to each other, we individually both had a significant and strong call uh, to join One Mission Society and to work in this prison ministry. So That's amazing. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, well, we're going to, uh, as the sending church of John and Holly, we're going to have our pastor come and lead us into the next uh, portion of our service. And Melanie's going to slip out and, and get to the table to be prepared to greet you in a few minutes after the service. And so at this time, uh, Pastor will come and take this portion. I'd like to ask um, elders, small group members, just friends of John and Holly, come on up and let's gather around them. Um, you guys come on up if you would. We want to pray, pray for them. John and Holly Brower have been exemplary in the way they serve the Lord in our church as volunteers beyond the walls of our church in the community, uh, the way they've served international missions and are now themselves going. And it's, a, it's, it's tough to see them go because <laughs> you never want to see members like the Browers um, not here on a Sunday. But um, they're responding to God's call, and so we have the very high privilege of being their sending church. And we don't just pray for them today. We ask that your prayers would continue because uh, those who've spent life on the mission field will know you face a lot of spiritual adversity that um, is a bit different from what you might face here. So we wanna join around you, John and Holly. We love you, we thank you for your, uh, just being part of this body and for your um, that's the way you've set examples before us. And so we send you in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're behind you. We're with you. We'll be praying for you. We'll stand with you. And um, let's pray. Father, we stand in your presence, in the name of the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ, our King, the one who builds the church, the one who calls the church, the one who sends and protects the church. And now as your people, we send forth John and Holly Brower in your great name. <coughs> you, O oh Lord, please be a shield around them. 
their glory and the lifter of their heads. We pray for divine protection. We pray for a hedge and a shield against spiritual evil and adversity. Make them strong in you, Lord, and in the power of your might. Strengthen them with might by your spirit in their innermost being. Strengthen them in prayer. Embolden them in their witness. Father, we pray for friends to receive them and people to love them, people to worship with and gather with there. And we pray for a fresh anointing, enabling, and empowering of the Holy Spirit upon them. That during these days and months and years of ministry ahead, they will experience your presence and power as never before. We pray for a great harvest, Lord, in that prison and amongst the family members of the inmates and the, uh, the staff at the prison there. Lord, prepare the way before them. Watch over them, bless them, and keep them, and cause your face to shine upon them. Continue to lift up your countenance upon them and give them your peace. Protect them, Father, body, soul, and spirit, in the name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Amen.